As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Hello and welcome to On Farm. It's Anna with you this week and as always I'm pleased to be with you for this episode. I was at the first national conference for SOPA, the Scottish Organic Producers Association, held recently at the Royal Highland Showground. It was a brilliant forward-thinking day and in fact the theme of the event was the road ahead, so very much thinking about the future. Organic is still quite a small part of the total food and farming economy, but it's growing and there's huge potential for the future. So that's what this episode is all about. I managed to grab conversations with some of the brilliant and very passionate people who were there over the course of the day. And later in the episode, we will hear from a number of them, including Fiona Richmond and Jane Jones. But first, just as things were getting underway, I had a chat with Debs Robert, SOPA manager. Today we're here at the Highland Centre Pavilion, the new Members' Pavilion, an extremely smart, fancy-looking building. And we're meeting today because it is the very first organic national conference that we've held. Uh, There used to be a conference held maybe 10 years ago and it's kind of Mm -hmm. died away and then we thought it might be a good idea to bring everybody together because organics is uh, quite an exciting time just now. And you're right, it's a lovely venue. Um, We can hear a bit of banging and things in the background because they're all getting ready for the Highland Show as well here. But more important than the Highland Show for today is obviously this conference. As you say, it's it's the first national conference. Um, You've got a great range of speakers. uh, Guests have started to arrive. Um, What what are you hoping for today? What what do you want us all to get out of this? We've got such, as you say, fantastic lineup of speakers and there's just no chance at all you're going to leave without being inspired today. Oh, that uh, sounds good. Yeah, there's a lot guarantee, of excitement. Like a guarantee. <laughs> Honestly, I, I've seen some of the presentations and I'm really delighted at what's going to be delivered to the delegates. The calibre of speakers we've got is just beyond dreams. I mean, excellent, excellent people with some really good um, views and experience and expertise in food and organic food and drinks so it's going to be exciting this afternoon. Can you tell us a little bit about the title of the conference and why you chose that and what that means? We've called it the road ahead because we do want to be looking forward. This isn't about looking back, this is looking forward and we're at really quite a crunch time because policy, um, the drive for climate change, looking after our soils, the pressures of input costs, oil, fossil fuel use, all of these things are really focusing people's minds and we think that organics has got a lot of answers that can help those challenges. So we're really just looking forward to saying where, what, what is it going to look like in the future? What, what, are, we, what are we sitting at on the, on the brink with our feet taking that step? So it's, it's very much a look forward. And the other really important part about today is bringing people together because we mm-hmm. haven't had this conference also, yeah. that's looking at organic 
issues and opportunities for a long time and now that we're past all of the COVID and, and all of that terrible time we went through we're thinking that now is a good time to start to bring people back together again because there's nothing quite like speaking in person. Huge thank you to Debs and in fact to the rest of her team because uh, they did a brilliant job in organising the conference as, as you'll hear. Uh, it was great to chat with Debs before she scurried off to finish organising the event and get things sorted. Next up, I caught up with one of the speakers at the conference, someone who has made a real impact flying the flag for organic in Scotland, particularly on social media. My name is Bryce Cunningham and I'm the director at Mosque Farm. I'm invited along as a speaker, however I was quite interested in actually coming along anyway before I was asked to speak. I feel very passionately about organic agriculture, um, everything we do at Moscow Farm is organic. We don't supply any conventional product at all, it's just purely organic products from our own farm. I feel that organics are a real sort of turning point in Scotland, I believe that the consumers have really been turned on to, to what organics are and, and starting to understand it. Um, I think organics for the past kind of 20 or 30 years is a bit of a challenge uh, from a marketing perspective, people not knowing exactly what it is, but with more and more people uh, talking about it, the, the advent of social media of course in the past 20 years as well, really starting to tell the story of it. I think that organics can, can really start being part of a sustainable future for Scottish agriculture. And you just used a word there which I'm totally passionate about, which is story. And, and that's it, I suppose. The social media in particular enables you as a business owner to tell your story. That's the most effective way to, to get people to really understand what, what life is like and what farming is like and what organic farming is like, is, is to, to see and, and hear the real stories. So is that something you're going to do in your presentation today? Tell us all a bit of a story about... Um, how you got there and why you're so passionate about it. Uh, yes, so my, my story today is, is all about Mosgiel Organic Farm. Um, so it's got, all about it's about 10 years ago, I was a, a Mercedes-Benz mechanic, how I come back to the family farm, took over after my father died, and then uh, realised that, that we're, we're way of farming conventionally wasn't working in our, our tenanted farm, uh, and we, we sort of changed that around. Um, Mosgiel Farm today, we're supplying 2 million litres of milk right across Scotland, working with wow. five organic farms. Um, so it's all about our story, how we've managed to do that, the mistakes we've made along the way, and what we see for the future is, is in sustainable agriculture in Scotland. Yeah. I've just been speaking to Debs Roberts outside and we talked about the title of the conference, which is The Road Ahead. Yeah. What does that sort of statement mean for you in, in terms of organic farming and, and in your journey? Uh, so the road ahead uh, to me means that where we're going, the vision of organic farming going forward. Uh, so for example, Mosquito Organic Farm, we've got a vision uh, for 2025 to be net zero, uh, support more small-scale organic family farms and deliver more organic products to people who have perhaps not been exposed to them uh, until then. Uh, so I believe that the road ahead for Scottish organic agriculture is very bright and I, think, I believe that we all need to work together to push on that. Mm. So what sort of things are you implementing then in terms of your net zero ambition? I think, I follow you on social media, I think I saw about you know, electric vehicles and that sort of thing, but, but what's part of that, that kind of big journey for, for net zero? So our, our ambition to be net zero is, uh, is within our, our dairy and our processing plant. Um, so we're able to use renewable technology to pasteurise our milk. And the reason we're able to do that is because we actually brew our, our milk instead of high temperature pasteurising it. So we've been able to design machines made for the renewable technology we use. Uh, we've got solar panels on farm, which, which we're, we're looking to expand and use to charge our electric vehicles. Uh, we deliver all our, well, our, the majority of our milk at night. So that means we can use the vans during the night, charge them up during the day. Um, 70% of our fleet so far is electric and we're looking to build on that year on year. Uh, we're also looking 
wanting to install anaerobic digestion for any waste coming out of the dairy and of, of course the, the cow dung as well and then we can use that to then uh, in, in future run with uh, heavy vehicles so that's like the lorries, the tractors etc and uh, we're also looking at how we're, we're team get to work as well so uh, we're, we're a rural business we're not in the middle of a town on a main bus route so how our, mm. how our team gets to the farm and, and what's there is uh, it's quite important to us as well so we're trying to encourage car manufacturers and dealerships to work with us to give discounts to our team to get into electric vehicles or low emission vehicles mm. um, and we're also doing other things like looking at how we process the milk look at how we cool the milk as well we're looking at a, a piece of technology called an absorption chiller which is quite a common p- way to, to, to cool things in Eastern Europe but not so much in the UK right. and we can do we can uh, use that system through waste heat from anaerobic digestion and from biomass to be, be able to create a cooling effect which is currently 70% of our total energy use and then use that in a, in a renewable way so we don't need to rely on electricity in the grid as much well, you sound like a really busy guy. I feel quite tired <laughs> just talking to you. You've got so much on. Coming back to, to organic for a second, how important is organic in terms of, of your marketing and the way that you tell your story? So organic to Moscow is, uh, is just basically one of the same thing. So uh, we use organic as a starting point. So that's the baseline for us. And uh, we back in 2016 when we first became organic. Being organic, we were doing our best to, to try and increase biodiversity, do what we can to work with nature. And then we were putting milk into a plastic bottle. Uh, and then we mm-hmm. stopped that in 2018. And then we started thinking, well, we're delivering this with diesel vans. You know, we're, we're starting off with this, this fantastic way of farming, which is organics. And then we were sort of letting it down along the way. So we now we have to look at our whole business holistically and use organic as a baseline, a starting point, and then improve on from there. But, so we've got to be able to treat the product with respect that it deserves. Yeah, and so your glass bottles now, are you? Is that right? Yes, we are. Yep, yep. So yep. Uh, all of our packaging is reusable. We've been that way since 2019. Uh, we use glass bottles for those type of deliveries, but we also use uh, reusable containers for, uh, for for things like schools, universities. Uh, we've got big churns for vending machines. Um, and we actually, we did away with single-use plastic in January 2019, and so far we've saved about 17 million pieces of single-use plastic since. So it's wow. although we're a small business, it's still quite an enormous amount of plastic yes. we're saving. So. That just shows, doesn't it? If one business has saved that much, it shows yeah. how making a change more widely can be like just phenomenal. Bryce Cunningham there from Mosquiel Farm and I challenge you if you're on social media and you haven't heard of him um, you really should have done because he's doing a brilliant job on social media and he's fascinating to follow. You heard there how uh, he and his team are making the most of technology and innovation to drive down carbon emissions in their production. But next, someone with a different product to sell, but with the same end goal to drive down carbon emissions. Um, This is about a byproduct of quarrying that can be used on farms to capture carbon, taking it out of the atmosphere. In time, it could be important and very lucrative to farming, so this is definitely worth a listen. I'm Jennifer Brody and I'm the Business Development Manager with Undo Carbon Limited. Undo Carbon Limited is a carbon capture company and we are focused specifically on, wait for it, enhanced rock weathering. Enhanced rock weathering. You're going to have to tell me more about what that means. (laughs) Well, it's actually a very simple, natural process and it's the term that's been now being used for it it's for enhanced rock weathering rock naturally weathers when the rain hits it 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 wears down so what we've done is we've found a rock which is basalt specifically basalt rock it's a byproduct of quarrying the quarry people blast the rock crush it down for the road material etc what's left over is four millimeters and less it's full of minerals and trace elements and boom it they've now found it also captures significant amounts of carbon so it's a byproduct which you have found an alternative and very beneficial use for. So um, how does it 
get from point A to point B, uh, sitting in a pile as a byproduct, what, what happens then? Yes. Now that we've found that it captures carbon, we are supplying it to farmers at the rate of 20 tonnes per hectare. And we're working principally in the UK in three areas, the northeast of England, central belt of Scotland, and I'm up Bankery in the northeast of Scotland. And we're looking for farmers um, who are interested. Now, we're, it's a super... Pro, um, event today so we do have this material it is accepted and already recognized by the way as a soil improver by um, SOPA and you may have heard of the Soil Association and the Biodynamic Association and the Organic Farmers and Growers so it is approved for application to organic growing systems so we in these areas where we're working we are actively looking for farmers who are interested and we can show you the mineral breakdown it's got um, recognized macro and micronutrients and so you you know the, the question was how do we get it we need to find the farmers partner it with the farmers and um, we will supply and spread it if you're close enough to the quarries we're working with it for free and we're looking for you and we can save you you know we're doing lots of trials as well there's trials with the SEC James Hutton so there's a lot of exciting things going on and we're at last beginning to realize the full potential of this material that I've been a wee bit nuts about for the last 20 years <laughs> Well, I was talking to you before we started recording, and I think we've concluded that it's your passion as well as your job. Yes, oh, I know. I've got my husband here today, and he just shakes his head. But listen, it, we've got a real exciting story. It is not the answer to climate change, but it's got a significant part to play. If we can put the carbon back in the soil, and let's just get one more bit... The carbon that we are capturing is captured by the material that we're supplying. We're not interfering, well, to be honest, we're boosting the organic carbon that the soil already, that they're building up in the soil with the carbon footprint. But um, the carbon we are capturing is the inorganic carbon. Once the rock dust or, or the, the basalt, crushed basalt, captures the carbon, it turns it into calcium bicarbonate, magnesium bicarbonate, and it flushes out into the sea. We've removed it for thousands of years. As you build up organic carbon in the soil, you improve the soil footprint, um, that, that will always be vulnerable. The trees may blow over. Um, if you, you plough the soil, it can be released. So we're feeding it down a different channel. And um, yeah, just watch this space and come on board. <laughs> and if it's delivering soil improvement for free, it's a bit of a win-win for farmers. Oh, absolutely. Um, you, you, know, you do have to be within a certain location. We're looking very carefully at the carbon footprint. And the, it, it costs about 5% of the carbon cost of a supply and spreading. It, but the rest is 95% we're capturing carbon. So, yeah, that, that, that's the situation. <laughs> and just before we go, just, can you just give us the website in case people want to find out more information? Oh, thanks very much. You've done this before, haven't you? Right. So it's unhyphendo.com. Please come on board and find out lots about us. Perfect. Thank you very much. So much potential for the future there. In fact, we've done a whole episode on carbon capture um, in the past, looking at a very similar product. Um, So if you go back through the on-farm feed and look for the episode called Rock on Soils, that's where you'll listen to it and you can hear uh, much more about that topic. My name is Fiona Richmond. I'm Head of Regional Food at Scotland Food and Drink. Organics, yep. I mean, it's always been an interest of mine. And I'm here today because organics is playing an even stronger role in our food and drink industry and plants than I think that it has before. We have a specific focus on it now. We have someone in our team who's looking after that uh, organic sector and supporting businesses, helping to, um, to drive change, to develop plans 
and that is kind of born out of um, I think a, a realization that it's it's such a significant sector in terms of what it can do for our climate change agenda, for our our growth strategy. It sort of ticks every box really, and is of a, a growing consumer interest in 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 buying ethical, sustainable food and drink, and organic really delivers on that. Um, so here today, just to share um, just what we're up to at Scotland Food and Drink on, on, on that side of things and to make people to learn from each other and, and just hopefully build a, a sort of community around organics. And community is a really good word because there's a real buzz today. Um, everybody, there are so many different people here. You've got organic farmers, you've got conventional farmers mm-hmm. who are here to learn more. You've got a um, lady who was speaking who's from DEFRA. You know, we, we, there's a real mixture here, but community is what it's all about. And I think it's about sharing um, opportunities and passions and mm-hmm. knowledge mm-hmm. and working together for the, the, the road ahead, which is obviously the name of the conference. You used a term earlier, which I'm ashamed to say that I hadn't heard before, but I absolutely love it and I'm really excited to see where it goes. And, and that was eco-active consumers. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about, and we all know, I, I think, that the growth of the organic sector mm-hmm. has been consistent now mm-hmm. for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think the impact of these eco-active consumers is going to have on the organic sector going forward? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right, the, the, the sector has been growing steadily. It's, it's still small. Um, you know, we wouldn't want to, you know, give any illusions around that. It's not a huge sector yet, but it's been a slow and steady growth. It's never declined. And uh, we have seen just, a, again, a steady build of public interest in where their food comes from and the, the credentials behind it. Um, there's a much greater environmental awareness now. Uh, people are also looking for, for brands with, with a, a, a social purpose and, and knowing that it's doing some, some good. And that term is really coined by, you know, Kantar, the, the, the data um, experts. And it really, I think, shows that it's going to be more mainstream, that more people are going to be looking for brands that have got that um, robust message and, you know, very strong environmental, sustainable credentials. It's all very easy to say these words, you know, and trip off the tongue, but more and more people are absolutely looking for products that meet their um, their view of the world, really. Um, so I think um, we're going to see a continued increase in in a demand for organic food there's so much opportunity and it's really encouraging but actually it shouldn't really be a surprise should it you know you and I started a Scotland food drink on the same day I think 15 years ago and our mission then was to you know for Scotland to become known as a land of food and drink mm-hmm. people are are now they're already seeking out Scottish produce yes. because of what that represents yes. and that represents you know high animal welfare it represents amazing um, custodianship of, of the landscape so it shouldn't be surprising to us therefore that the same types of people are seeking out organic because of the additional benefits that that it offers I, I guess yes that that's it in a, in a nutshell and you know we've We've been so lucky to, to to see our sector flourish and to work with so many fantastic suppliers who you know doing the doing the right thing and uh, you know come so naturally you know to them because we have really really outstanding produce and yes customers are um, buying in much more to that local trend mm. so Scotland really delivers on that we've got a very good image um, I think of our of our food and drink and uh, people know that it comes from 
uh, a place that um, you know land and, and the seas have been kind of looked after so um, yeah so organic is just one part of that picture but we want organics to be seen as a bit more mainstream and, and, and part of, of what we do rather than just a, a sideline. Yeah, and I suppose it ties in as well with other things that have been talked about at the conference mm-hmm. this morning. There's, there was a big focus on food waste yes. and that actually food rate waste represents, I've got in my notes here, about 30% of mm-hmm. all the food produced is wasted. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you think about the emissions impact that that has, that's just, it's unbelievable. And, and so reducing that is another thing that we should all be making an effort to do. Mm-hmm. And then actually just yesterday, you and I were emailing, trying to help somebody mm-hmm. find paper bottles mm-hmm. for gin mm-hmm. production. Mm-hmm. So all of these things, you know, reducing plastic, reducing emissions, it all kind of ties in. And yes, we're here to talk about organic today, but it's all part of the biggest Scottish yes. food and drink picture, yes. isn't yes, it? Yes, absolutely is. And then, of course, our other speaker, Jane Jones, who spoke so... Uh, um, really spoke from the heart mm. about the public sector food and drink and, and the opportunity there to serve more organic food. So everything's connected and food is that, that great connector, I think, isn't it? Um, so, so yes, so quite an interesting time in our, in, in our industry and with our new strategy being launched, the Scotland Food and Drink Partnership Strategy is being launched at the end of June and, you know, organic has a, has, has a place in that. So, so yes, so we're definitely on a, um, a quite a big, uh, you know, turning point in our industry, I would say. I agree, and and I know that you know you've been involved in public procurement, um, and are passionate about it. And Jane is the next person that I want to try and Good. nab yeah, to speak to yeah. because her presentation was fascinating. Yeah, yeah Jane's a very uh, determined person um, who works with you know a, a team of people to make sure this never falls off the agenda. So, yeah, we've got to keep believing it and, and doing something about it. I'm Jane Jones, I'm Senior Manager at Argyll and Butte Council, where I've got responsibility for catering and food policy. I'm going to have to admit something, I've worked in the food and drink and farming sector for 20 years now, and up until today, I have sometimes felt a little bit glasses half empty when it comes to procurement, because it's always seemed, everything I've heard over the years, everything I've tried to work on over the years, it's always seemed like, you know, the door is quite firmly closed and it's really difficult to get Scottish produce or organic produce into the public sector but listening to you today I feel completely inspired because you are opening the door can you tell me a little bit more about how you're managing to do that yeah sure I think that's a fair comment and I think that it's very easy to see that it's, it's really difficult to access public procurement at times and always has been. So we are not here saying that we, know, we think we're an easy market to access. But I do think there are certain things that we can and should be doing to make sure that we do get more Scottish, organic, sustainable food onto plates of our children and young people. Um, and there are a number of things that we're doing to help try and achieve that. We're using some of the policy drivers that are in place just now. So with local authorities having to responsibility for developing good food nation plans that's a good way for them to then think about the food they're buying and how they buy that and how they go about that and whether it is local sustainable and ethical food so there's quite a lot of really good work happening i can point to some really good examples in local authorities like east ayrshire um, and and they've been buying things like local organic milk for many many years Uh, and i think it's seen very much as a closed shop but it's probably because as a public sector we're very quiet and we just got on with doing what we do with the partners we're working with but there are always opportunities to do more and do better i suppose that's the thing you know it's 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 never ending is it there's there are always always more opportunities but from your point of view why is organic produce particularly important 
we heard some of the, the um, speakers today talk about the importance of why organic around the health and nutrition benefits of that food. And it does make me sit there and think, yes, exactly. You know, Why wouldn't we want the best uh, food for our children and young people or for our elderly or for those that are in our care homes? They're as, as deserving of that really good quality nutritious food as anyone else's. Um, so that's part of it. The other part of it is how we make sure that we are achieving those wider aims around sustainability and climate change. And those are all actions that local authorities have responsibility for. Each local authority already has a climate change action plan. Every local authority has a child poverty action plan as to how they can tackle poverty for children and young people. We now need to be thinking how food can change some of that. And the use of organic food, for me, is an opportunity that we are not using to full advantage at the moment. And it will take us time to get there. But growing from such a low baseline uh, to achieving more organic produce in our schools and our hospitals and our care homes would, I think, be a really progressive way for, for us to be able to show our commitment to things like uh, tackling climate change, uh, providing more nutritious, healthy meals, closing the gap around health inequalities and making sure our children are fuelled and nourished properly to learn. Yeah, and, and you said that in your talk. I remember, you know, the, the hospitals and, and care homes are, are kind of obvious in a way. You, you want to, to nourish people, but you also talked about children. You know, for some children, the meal that they get at school may be the only meal that they get, and hungry children can't learn. And, and that's just, that really struck me. I suppose I've got two primary school age children, and, and you think how important food is and the best quality food is to their education. Absolutely, and that's why we need to change how we think about food. Um, a public food in Scotland, we need to be thinking about it as an investment in our children and young people. It's very easy for uh, us to think about it as a cost line that needs to be managed and reduced and provide them at the lowest possible level. But actually the opposite is true. If we think about this as food that's going to be nurturing and, and fueling our children and young people, who wouldn't want that to be the best quality? Who wouldn't want that to be driving uh, improvements in their learning? Who wouldn't want that to be helping tackle some of the issues around health inequalities? And who wouldn't want that to be the food that's been produced potentially by their parents and families and support the employability of people in their communities? So it's a bit of a no-brainer for me that we should be thinking, we should be taking that food systems thinking into not just public food, but right down to a school level as well. And you know, basically, what you've just said there is that the in this in this scenario that you're creating, that, that everybody's a winner. There are no losers, effectively. Absolutely, and it, but the the money is in the system already. But we need to be able to, I think, demonstrate that every pound that we spend on public food, it's public money. So we should be able to say, well, actually, here is where it's going to. Here are the benefits that are being derived from that investment. A very powerful point there from Jane Jones of Argyle and Butte on a very important point that will resonate, I think, with many of us. Tax money spent on feeding children in schools should not be seen as a cost, but more as an investment in our children's future, which is definitely something to think about. Next up, someone exporting organic produce uh, out of the UK and all around the world, in fact. Hello, I'm Tom Wood, uh, Trading Director at Robin Appel Limited, overseeing all of the organic trading, uh, both here in the UK and we export all over Europe. Uh, we started working with Roger uh, many, many years ago, uh, who is obviously the chairman of SOPA. Roger Baird. Roger Baird. Yes. And uh, we have created unique opportunities for Scottish growers in the last 12 months on cereal crops that we will look to develop even further going forward. Why? 
you know, we all wake up in the morning and we go to our jobs. Um, we've got to feel enthusiastic about it, haven't we? Otherwise, it would be downright miserable. So why does the organic sector make you get out of bed in the morning? Uh, food and farming, in short. I, I love the thought of food and farming. And one of the uh, liners from uh, one of the presenters this morning was cheap food is, is your cheap life. You're not valuing your life properly. Mm. And I do, uh, that res- resonates so much to me because actually we don't value food enough. And it's something that I would love to, uh, the agri-tourism, um, mm. you know, I love all of that. And, yeah. and it's something that really uh, resonates and I'm passionate about. And food and farming it's not linked enough and and, uh, schools we don't educate cooking we don't educate uh, children it's really sad that there is no connect between food and us at the moment and happiness and and our health and I think actually there is such an opportunity with organic farming food and farming and and having a short supply chain and we should be proud of it and not um, disjointed and trading like a commodity market. Last chat for this episode, and we've saved a cover model for our last guest for you. This is Aberdeenshire farmer Murray Cooper, who is the face of recently launched brand of organic rapeseed oil called Organic. Yeah, I've been organic farm since 2006. i dabbled with growing the organic oilseed rape since 2016. It's something I'm quite passionate about. Coming from a conventional background and always trying to compete to grow equally as good crops as conventional without inputs and costs. And it looks like you've done that because I remember for years, and, and my husband said, said it to me once, I don't think it's possible to grow all seed rape organically. You've proven all, all those people wrong. You've done it. And that's got to be something that was, A, difficult, but B, that you should, you should feel proud of, so presumably do. Yeah, it's, it's not without its challenges. Um, it's, it grows exceptionally well when you don't want it to grow, and when you do want it to grow, it, um, it doesn't always work. It's all a learning journey, I suppose, isn't it? And, and one of the sort of themes that's inadvertently come out today, I think, is that actually learning and, and potentially even making mistakes from when things don't work out is all part of the journey. I mean, we've had loads of really good advice from people. We've also had people saying, look, it doesn't always work, but, but just keep, keep trying. And I suppose it's the, it's the wider ambition for organic farming that, that keeps you going, is it? Yeah, um, every day is a school day, whether it's something that's been done in the seventh days the sixth days we're always learning and i suppose my final question is uh, who was it who persuaded you to become uh, the cover model for the uh, the organic rapeseed oil advertising campaign because it's doing a good job i think i was the only person that um was willing to <laughs> at the time everybody else too shy were they <laughs> Well, it looks really good, and I've not tasted it yet, but um, I'm looking forward to it. And thank you very much. I hope yeah. you enjoy the final session of the, the, the programme. Yep, thank you. So, just heading out of the pavilion at Ingleston at the end of the SOPA conference. Um, really amazing day, actually. Saw lots of people I knew, um, which is always nice, but um, more importantly than that, yeah, really inspiring, particularly took away loads about public procurement and getting organics and not just organics but Scottish products into schools and hospitals and um, 
Soil, yeah, I learned a lot about soil as well. Um, even though I'm married to a farmer, I don't actually know very much about soil, I'm ashamed to say, but learned loads about that. All in all, um, a really good day, and you can probably hear the aeroplanes taking off um, from the airport. And um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of nice actually standing here in an empty Highland showground, knowing that in three weeks' time. I will be back uh, for another Highland show and instead of car horns blaring you'll hear uh, we'll hear the sound of cattle and sheep and people having fun so um, it will be lovely lovely to be back but anyway that is all for this week's pod and uh, we will be back again next week <laughs>